This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 165. What, what? Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he was stabbed by accident with a pencil in the first grade, Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, I've been in the podcasting space for quite a long time now, and I've had a lot of success with the multiple shows and and episodes and even the courses I've created. Part of my success is due to how particular I've been in the tools that I use, and one of my favorite tools is Buzzsprout. For those of you who are not familiar with Buzzsprout, you need to be, because if you have a podcast or you're looking to start one, Buzzsprout is by far the easiest way to start podcasting, and they're making it even easier. This is a podcast host, and it allows you to get listed on all the top directories, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera. I use it myself. They've provided advanced stats for us now so that you can track your podcast downloads and understand exactly what things are happening with your show, which is really key, right? Just there's not a lot of data that uh, a lot of tools give us access to, and Buzzsprout is some of the best. They'll even help you build a website for your podcast so your audience can easily find you online and listen to all the episodes right from your site too, even if you don't have a website. On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. So Magic Mastering is like an Instagram filter, but for your audio. And it takes the audio you have and just automatically masters it to match the Apple Podcast authoring best practices. It's totally awesome. Just, I love them because not only is it just a super easy tool to use, but I know the team there. They are the sponsor of this episode. And I wanted to make sure you got to know who they are because they're they're a great tool. And if you're just starting out with Buzzsprout, you can actually get a special deal. Their plans start at $12 a month. Buzzsprout is a wonderful partner of mine and, you know, you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here. Thank you so much for joining me today. By the time you were listening to this, if you had listened to the last episode, uh, I had mentioned how I was on my way to Ghana. Well, by the time this comes out, I will have come back. And uh, I can't wait to share all the experiences from it, even though now at the time of this recording, I haven't even gone yet. There's some weird time travel stuff going on. DeLorean, Back to the Future, always got to reference that whenever possible. But anyway, thank you so much again for joining me today. And uh, you'll hear more about my Ghana trip very soon. You'll see some video footage from it because I took Caleb Wojcik there with me too. And uh, it'll be probably in August or September, you'll see some episodes of SPI TV come out. So go ahead and go to watchspi.tv. You can subscribe to make sure you get those and other helpful videos that are coming out every Friday once season two begins later in the year. So check that out. Thank you so much. Now, I can't wait to share this episode with you because this person is truly inspiring. I met her at the One Day Business Breakthrough live event with Chris Ducker and myself uh, back in April. And oh my gosh, Susan is crushing it right now with her business. Her name is Susan Peterson from freshlypicked.com. She's had an amazing experience and an an amazing journey that she's gonna share with you, her story about how she's built her business, really, which started by selling moccasins, which you might be like, whoa, weird. And yes, she was on Etsy for a while and then she shifted over to other things and you're gonna hear about her booming online retail business now. And you'll talk about, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about the Shark Tank because she was on Shark Tank as well and uh, just 
man, such, such an incredible story. And I'm going to be diving into some physical products later in this, uh, in the year. So this was uh, very helpful and inspiring for me to listen to. And I'm sure it'll be the same for you. So this is Susan Peterson from freshlypicked.com. Here we go. What's up, everybody? I'm so excited for this interview. Today, we're talking with Susan Peterson from freshlypicked.com. Susan, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Pat. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Of course. I'm so excited you're here because you have an amazing story. But before we get into that, I, I do want to say I was on your website. I was watching some videos that were, you were featured in. And there was one thing that you said that really struck me. And it was just this whole idea of you always putting your family first. And you know, I can relate to that. I know you're a listener to the show as well. There was a part where you mentioned that when you're with family, you're with family, you, you're thinking about family. And when you're doing your business, you're thinking about business, you're making it really clear in your life to keep those thing, things separated. And that's something I work really hard to do at as well. So just thank you. Thank you for that and being an, a good example of that as well. Thank you. Thanks. Now let's get into your story. Uh, let's just go right from the beginning. How did you get into what it is that you do now? So we make and sell baby moccasins. And when my son was born, I couldn't find any moccasins or I couldn't find any shoes that I wanted. And so I started making my own. I wanted a soft soled pair of moccasins and, um, it was pretty bad at first. And then it got better and better at the time I had a blog and a little Etsy shop and I was selling some things on Etsy and blogging and I was doing both like pretty bad. Like I wasn't very good at either of them. Um, so I kind but I, but what it did teach me was how to make something and then how to put it out online because blogging was kind of the social media that you promoted through back then. And so I put my moccasins up and I really didn't have an intention to sell them. I kind of just wanted to show off what I'd made. And those were what people really gravitated towards. I had people saying, you know, I'll buy them whatever you want. And I started taking orders like pretty much the next day for them. Wow. Okay. So what would, give us a little bit of a timeline. So when you first started Again, you were kind of scratching your own itch, so creating something that you wanted for your son already yeah. and then putting it up there for everybody to see. You said it was bad at first and it got a little bit better over time. How much time are we talking? So I started making those in the sum, like the beginning of the summer of 2009. Mm -hmm. And then things really started cooking up like in September of 2009 was when I really started like putting everything on my website, offering more colors, um, and I started selling more. And you were still going through Etsy at that time? I was on Big Cartel at the time. I'd kind of graduated off Etsy. Oh, Big Cartel. I never heard of Big Cartel. Yeah, they're like a local, it's kind of the same shopping platform as Etsy. It's a good like um, space holder between Etsy and Shopify. Some people are super overwhelmed by Shopify. Big mm -hmm. Cartel is like a really good stopgap between the two, I think. Ah, that's very cool. Now you said summer of 2009 and September 2009. That's not actually very much time. So this kind of picked up fairly quickly for you. How did it feel as you were going through it? it? It was super exciting. My goal at the time was I really just wanted to make enough money so I could go to Target and buy whatever I wanted. <laughs> um, and now I feel like that's still kind of my goal for like my employees, you know, to be able to go to Target and buy whatever they want. And so I feel like not much has changed in that way. But what I'd already always told my husband, Chris, when I was making stuff and selling it on Etsy was I, cause I, I started Etsy when there was like 400 people selling on Etsy. So really, really early days. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling him like, I had seen a couple people like take their product 
and they would find that one product that people just loved and gravitated towards and they were able to like make a business. And I, I would always tell them like, I just got to find that one product. I got to find that one product. And I didn't honestly think the moccasins were going to be it or it just didn't even cross my mind. And then when they came, I kind of felt like I was poised and ready to run with it. What other products did you have at the time? Oh, I made baby blankets and shopping bags and quilts and wallets and wow. That's cool. Kind of whatever. And you made them yourself? Yeah. Wow. And then what do you think it was about the moccasins that really made those the popular one? I think that I kind of hit a good time. I think moccasins are one of those things that go in and out of trends, you know, and I think I hit those at a good time. But I also think like people want a shoe that stays on their child's foot. I mean, you have kids. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you experienced this when your children were little, but shoes, they're really hard to keep on baby's foot. They just don't stay on. And that was like one of the design elements I had to hit was that it had to stay on the foot. The second one was like, it had to fit fat feet. Cause my son, when he was born, he was 10 pounds. So he's really, really fat. Hmm. And then the third one is I just wanted it to look like really classic, you know, it is a moccasin. So it is a little trendy, but I wanted it to feel like you could pass it on to your children. Yeah. They do look fantastic. They look great. And by the way, I was 11 pounds, 12 ounces when I was born. Did wow. you know that? No. Did your mom have a C-section? She did. She did. And my mom's only like 4'11". So, <laughs> so you could do the geometry there. Wow. Uh, but yeah, uh, my mom's amazing for several reasons, including that. So You were as big as her when you came out. Yeah, right. And I haven't really grown much since then. So, <laughs> um, In terms of the other products, so once you saw that the moccasins were taken off, you're getting more sales for those than the others. Were you just like, okay, this is it. This is the one product. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go full steam. I'm going to leave everything else behind. Is that what you ended up doing? No, not at first. The, the thing with the moccasins is they're, they're $60 baby shoes. So there are quite a few barriers to buy just um, based on price alone. People kind of naturally look for reasons why they can't afford them mm-hmm. or why they won't buy them. And so at first we were still selling a little bit of baby clothes, a little bit of accessories. Um, we hit on a leather mouse pad that seemed to take off. And I was just kind of selling these to keep the shop going just so I could focus on the moccasins because I knew the moccasins were going to be a big hit. Um, there was enough interest in them that I was like pressed right out the gate. But I just kind of held on to a couple other products just to kind of keep the cash flow going. Uh, okay. And then eventually you said that you kind of now just going full steam with the moccasins. Yeah, about four years ago was when I just started 100% moccasins. Okay, so that's, okay, about a couple of years after you started. Yeah. So you, you finally made that switch. Yeah. Now, when it comes to your customers, you know, it seems like they're sort of a higher-end customer, right? Because they're kind of going for the higher-end shoe here. Um, do you keep in constant contact with them after they purchase? This is something I'm really interested in because I know a lot of people that I've purchased from on Etsy, you know, I never hear from them again. And a lot of them have a good opportunity to sell me new stuff. For instance, the people who I bought the Back to the Future jacket from or this other stuff that I, that it's Back to the Future related. I mean, <laughs> if, if they were just, just to send me a few things or updates or whatever, I would probably be more likely at least to visit the store again, but I've never heard from them again. Do you, or is it kind of a customer uh, hit and run type of thing or do you keep in, you know, do you grab their email and you kind of have build a relationship with them? Yeah. I mean, um, well, I kind of want to touch on the first thing you said. So you would think that it's like a higher end customer, but it's actually, we have customers kind of all over the board. We do have definitely like 
that mom who's going to spend a lot more money. Mm -hmm. But we also have like um, moms who are like putting this on their baby registry and then they're having like two aunts and a cousin go in on it together. Uh, Oh, that's cool. The thing about like baby and wedding industries is that people spend more money um, during that time. Mm -hmm. But yes, so we capture their email. We have an opt-in when you check out and it's totally voluntary. We don't just automatically send out emails. And then we also really encourage people to follow us on social media. And that's kind of where I feel like a lot of our repeat customers are coming from is social media. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, okay, first of all, can I ask you, and you don't have to share exact numbers, but how well is the business doing right now? So in 2012, we did 10x revenue. So 10 times what we'd done the year before. Mm -hmm. 2013, we did about three and a half, four X. And then this year we're on track to do three X. So, and then I kind of tell you like, yeah, I mean, we're doing really well. We're a million dollar business, which I'm super proud of. That's amazing. I just wanted to give people some perspective on, on kind of what we're talking about here and what's possible with uh, selling on these platforms. And, and, and obviously, like you said, and we'll get into this, the social media and, and keeping in constant contact with your audience through those platforms. I, I visited your Instagram page. Freshly picked is the is the handle on Instagram, and how many followers do you have now? Um, we just hit four hundred and five thousand today. Four hundred and five thousand, and you were so kind the other day after you attended one of me and Chris Duck uh, one day business breakthrough event to which was put, put, amazing by the way. Thank you, thank you. Suggest it for anyone. Thank you for that. You had posted a picture of you at the event, and it was just you know you had tagged me and just you know, said some nice things about the event. And again, thank you for that. And then I had like 400 new followers like a minute later because you had done that. And that just the, the, because you had told people to come and follow me. And it was just kind of amazing the response that your audience has. I mean, you have tens of thousands of likes on every photo that you post now. How does that translate into more sales? So what we find is that when we promote a color, that color is the best seller for the day, um, whether it's on Instagram and Facebook. And we post about, is that background noise really loud? No, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. This is real, um, real life, real life. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> it's, it's 445 here. So people are winding down and no, you're good. Um, you're good. Standing in the kitchen and <laughs> we have a pretty lax office. So everyone's everywhere. So, okay. Social media and in terms of it actually giving you results, because there's a lot of people out there who have big social media followings, but then yeah. they, they don't really translate into anything for them. I'm just really curious on how it works for you. One of, one of the differences with our business model is um, up until last September, we were 100% direct to consumer. And so not only did we know like who our Instagram followers were, but we also knew exactly who our customers were. And it's kind of unique in a consumer goods business that you know who your customer is because most consumer goods are trying to go right to business to business and sell to big boxes or like get into department stores or something. And we were very conscious of like not doing that and keeping our customers list our own until Nordstrom approached us about this time last year. And we, I mean, that was kind of the big store we were waiting for was Nordstrom. We had turned down almost every other wholesale account until they came along. Wow! And so I think that's kind of like a difference that we have in that, like, I can, 
if someone's like, oh, I have a problem with my product or they'll, I mean, they'll let us know on Instagram, you know, people are not shy to like, kind of let you know if you've done something wrong. And then also if you've done something right, but we're able to like look up their order, see what they ordered, see how many times they're ordered and really kind of like fix problems as they arise. And so I feel like that's one of the advantages that we have just by being direct to consumer and also having such a big and vocal social media following. Um, The other thing we do is we're very, very, very active in our community. We employ a team of 11 brand enthusiasts, and their sole job is to get in our social media accounts. And they act as themselves. Like if you go to their profile, it just says brand enthusiasts for freshly picked. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they get the product usually before we put it on sale. And so they're able to kind of test it and see how it works. And if there's any like unique properties about it, they can answer those questions. But I, my goal is that there is not an, uh, there's not one unanswered question on any of our social media accounts. Like if you reach out to us, even if it's in the comments, and even if we've answered that question, like four times that day, I want every question answered. I want every customer to feel like their voice is heard and that they matter to us because they do. Wow. That's incredible that you're able to do that. I am going to ask this question because I'm curious, how was it in the beginning? Because in the beginning, you said it was just you. Yeah. And were you able to do these types of things that you do now? Or is this something you've built a team as a result of of wanting to be able to do this? Yeah. I mean, I at 30,000 followers, I had to bring in some help. But I think um, up until 30,000 followers, like, any social media account is somewhat manageable with one person. Mm-hmm. After that, I don't, I, and I don't know why that's a tipping point, but I think what happens is you start to get followers in different um, time zones and different regions of the world. And so I think that you kind of just have to have other people involved so things aren't slipping through the cracks. I remember the year that I was really trying to grow my Instagram in 2011. And my husband actually said to me, I wish that you loved me as much as you loved Instagram. (laughs) I was on it all the time. That's all I was doing. So that was kind of a sign for you to kind of figure out how else you could (laughs) provide value to your community while also, you know, making sure you're there with your family and stuff. So what was that like hiring other people for the first time? I mean, you've, I mean, you're in an office right now. You have Mm -hmm. employees, at least 11, obviously. Yeah. Is is this where you kind of envisioned things would go? Yes and no. Like for sure, I thought that I would have employees, but it never, it never feels how you thought it would. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, once things started to take off, um, we like set a goal, my husband and I, I I told you, but um, maybe people don't know, my husband's a stay at home dad and has been for about a year now. Um, And we kind of set a goal of what we wear we would need to be for him to stay at home. Mm -hmm. And we reached that goal. And so he started being a stay-at-home dad. I don't know. I read the book, The E-Myth, which I think is like mandatory reading if you're an entrepreneur. And that really, really helped me to start to think about things differently and to start to strategize like what roles we should be hiring for and who we could hire. So that's cool. Chris is a stay-at-home dad. I love that. You know, because we don't really hear about stay home dads too much when the mom is out there doing, uh, you know, the 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 work and and stuff like that. But I, I love that still, even so, you are able to put yourself and your family and make sure that you're still there yeah. for them. 
um, which was made apparent in that video. And I'll link to your website in the show notes for everybody. And I'll link to that video as well. So I think that was a big cartel video, which is really cool. But, go, but going back to what you were saying earlier, you know, in terms of in, in terms of hiring, like, was that difficult for you to hire or did you kind of know that that's what you I mean, I, I know I know you knew that's what you needed to do. But for some people, you know, when they're especially when they're building their own things or creating their own products, they kind of don't feel like they want to add anybody else because that's their own thing. And, you know, their business is their baby. How do you let go of that? Don't hire for what you're really good at. Hire for the things that you don't really want to do. So for me, sales and marketing has always been my strong suit. And that's the thing that I really love doing. That's the thing that gets me passionate about the business. And I've never hired someone to do that job. Mm-hmm. Um, my first employee is actually my sister-in-law, Jody, And she started working for me in 2011 for $6.50 an hour. She's a saint. And um, <laughs> <laughs> what I did with her was um, shipping is the worst thing in the world. No one likes to ship. So I hired her to do shipping and I thought, okay, I will always email and I will always make the moccasins. And then I will know that the moccasins are made right. And I will know that if the customer emails me, they're taken care of. Mm. And then pretty quickly after that, I got to the point where I couldn't handle the emails anymore. So she took over the emails. So she was doing customer service and shipping. And I thought, okay, I'll always make the moccasins because then I'll know that they're made right. Not too long after that, I hired Angie um, and she has, you know, like 20 years experience sewing, best seamstress I know besides my mom. Just really super patient with me as I showed her how to sew, you know, just Mm -hmm. like (laughs) let me show her. And then she took over sewing. And so those three things, like actually being like the technician in my business and working on those like technical jobs, like having those being like having those covered, I was able to really start focusing on my sales and marketing, you know? Mm -hmm. And when it comes to sales and marketing and and the role that only you know that you could do best and that you want to do and that you're passionate about. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what are, what are the top one or two things that you do to help promote your company? So like we have editorial meetings as I'm sure you do, where we lay out our marketing strategy for, you know, the whole year right. and then mm-hmm. the whole, and then the quarter and then the month and then the week and really just kind of get a top down view of that. Um, I help manage like most of the campaigns. I'm still writing probably 20% of the copy because I just, I, I think in another life I was a copywriter. So I really like to write copy. <laughs> and then as far as sales go, like I'm, I'm this year and probably next, I'll still be managing the sales team because I feel like when you think of freshly picked, like you, you kind of just think of Susan too. I'm pretty synonymous with the business. And so I'm still going to like the big sales meetings with Nordstrom once a month. And um, if we're meeting, we're meeting, next week with a couple big stores in New York. And I'm still, I'm going to be heading those meetings and leading the deck and doing everything on that end. That's so cool. That's, that's a whole nother world to me. Like, what does that entail? Like, what do you, do you have to bring presentation boards or I don't, I don't even know what to, I don't even know what that's like. So it was so funny because the first time we went up to meet with Nordstrom, I think I had like two pairs of moccasins in my backpack and then I had leather samples and we were in the elevator and there was this guy and he, he was a sales guy for a brand and probably, you know, 
like a, a brand that everyone knows in Nordstrom. Mm-hmm. And he had four of the biggest rolling bags you've ever seen. And he was trying to get him off the elevator and we helped him. And he just was so stressed. And I was like, is that how I should be? Because I don't <laughs> feel that way. <laughs> um, and so the first, I don't, honestly, like sometimes I feel like I fall backwards into everything and I just have really patient people who help me along the way. I mean, we're much more prepared now. Now we bring a bigger bag with our product in it that we can leave with them. What we, what we've been doing, our lead sales girls actually getting ready to go on maternity leave. And so we've been planning out, um, the rest of the year. So we just go and like lay out the product and make sure that everything flows well. And we, we make sure there's like synergy within our shop and, um, they're really, Nordstrom is probably, um, one of the best companies to grow your brand with because they really love brands. They really love the story. They love to tell the story and they've just been so amazing for me to work with. That's really cool. And the initial contact with them was them actually reaching out to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that was probably, how do you think they knew about what you did? Someone in the office had watched Shark Tank. And then reached out to us. And then it was like pretty soon after Shark Tank that they reached out to us. Ah, Shark Tank. Yeah, something we haven't even talked about yet. Yeah. So was that an idea that you had to, hey, we should we should go on Shark Tank? So I felt like in 2014, we really needed to do something big. And um, a lot of people had told me you should go on Shark Tank. And I thought it was for inventors because I'd never watched the show. And I started watching the show and I realized it was for entrepreneurs. And so I put it like every December, I kind of have a little planning meeting with myself where I write down a list of things that I want to do or I want to accomplish that year. And so in December, 2013, I put it on my list of things to do in 2014. And then we just started like pretty aggressively pursuing it in the beginning of the year. And then what does that mean aggressively pursue? Is that just like email somebody a hundred times so they finally respond? Or is there like an application process? You know how I'm kind of aggressive, Pat. You've experienced it a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're great. <laughs> and and I love that. I, I know that has helped you get to where you're at because, you know, on, on a easy, basic level, if you don't ask, you never get. Yeah. yeah. So what I, I started... Um, reaching out to people that I knew that had been on the show and could get me in touch with a producer. Mm. So I did that. And then I emailed um, like just the general, like apply at Shark Tank. I don't remember the email. Um, uh, I emailed that like a couple times. And then I was just like reaching out to everyone I knew. And it kind of got a little hairy, like in June because they filmed, so Shark Tank films two pods. They film one in June and one in September. And I knew that they were filming. And so I just like did another round of like, hey, 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 we're here, we're here, we're here. And we had just had like um, this really massive sale. And so um, we were able to like build a story around how awesome that sale was and yeah, how yeah. our business they finally reached back out to me in July and I filmed in September. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. quite a long process. And then that filming uh, date, what <laughs> was that like? Like, I know when we watch Shark Tank yeah. on ABC, there's like, we see 10 minutes worth of a conversation yeah. and then either there's a deal or there's not a deal. Yeah. In actuality, what is it like? You're in the tank for like an hour. Um, and it's pretty much like you see. Just longer. Yeah, it's just longer. I mean, there were a couple things I wish would have made the cut that didn't, but 
I got a really, really good edit. I've, we've all seen that poor fellow or girl go on Shark Tank and just not get a good edit. Get and I got crushed. Really yeah. Good. Yeah. And they loved me. And I feel like, um, I, I was super solid. Like I know my business inside out. I know my numbers. I know where my customers are because I mean, at that time we knew our customers, like every customer that ever purchased through us purchased through our website. Mm -hmm. I feel like I kind of crushed it. Honestly, That's awesome. (laughs) Is there, is there footage of that somewhere we can check out? Yeah. I feel like, well, right now I just saw it on the Delta flight, which was kind of embarrassing. Oh, that's crazy. (laughs) But uh, it, uh, you can, you can just YouTube it. I think okay. it's on YouTube now. I'll try yeah. to find it and put it in the show notes for everybody. And if I can't find it, I'll get in contact with you to try and find it in some way. Yeah. That's amazing. That That's really cool. And what, what, what did that do for you besides the Nordstrom thing? I mean, you got a deal out of it yeah. with who? Um, so Damon, John, the, he does FUBU. FUBU guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And has that been actually helpful? So we actually post-show didn't close our deal. Um, wait, what? Okay. So you say there's a deal on the show and it even airs that way, but you actually didn't. Yeah. I mean, what it ended up being is like not a good deal for him and not a good deal for me. Um, there's, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is like Shark Tank's amazing, but it's like, it's a reality show first, you know? Mm. And so you can't do all of the closed door investor negotiation and like due diligence and everything that you would do in a regular investor meeting in an hour on television. And the awesome part about Shark Tank is that they're very conscious of that and they don't push for that, you know? And so once, I mean, you have to do all your due diligence at first, like before the show and they get it like immediately after the show. Mm. Um, But then there is a certain amount of negotiating that happens post-show and Damon and I both, like it was totally mutual. And I think he's a great guy. Like, I have nothing but respect for him. He reaches out to me probably once a quarter and just it's like, how's it going? Do you need oh, that's cool. Can I do anything for you? Yeah. So he's super awesome. It just wasn't the best deal for him and it wasn't the best deal for me. What was the biggest takeaway from your experience on Shark Tank that could be useful for everybody listening right now? Oh, that's a good one. I think for me, like what I felt, like I think a lot of times people are just really afraid to like, put it out there because you know like you'll talk to someone and they'll say oh I'm just this or I'm just that and it's almost hard for people to own what they are at first and what Shark Tank really did for me was it allowed me to like be like oh my gosh like my business is actually legit (laughs) (laughs) doing awesome things and so it really allowed me to like really just own what I'm doing not that I didn't before but that really solidified it for me yeah it's really interesting how sometimes nothing changes except what you know, sometimes just our perception is of, of, of a situation and that can completely change our direction and how successful we become afterwards. So, uh, great, great answer. Um, okay. So going back to Instagram really quick, cause I am starting to get a little bit more serious on my Instagram account. I'm up to 7,000. I passed 7,000 followers yesterday. Nothing compared to your 400,000, but I, I like your Instagram. Thank you. I mean, there's a lot of family stuff on there and for everybody not on there at Pat Flynn, by the way. Uh, and, 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 <laughs> And, and Susie can be found at, uh, at freshly picked, correct? Yeah. Okay. So top two or three tips for growing an Instagram account. Content. And by content, what works best? 
with every new stage, we're trying to figure out our content strategy because as you grow, it kind of shifts just a little bit. Like our content right now is very different than when we had 40,000 followers. Mm -hmm. And so what I think would relate most to uh, your listeners is I do like a 30, 30, 30 rule. So like 30% of your content's personal like kind of letting the customer know who you are or your followers kind of understand who you are. Mm -hmm. 30% for us was like um, business, like either behind the scenes or what we're working on today or something that's relevant to like people who are kind of in the same boat that you are. Mm -hmm. And then for us, 30% is promotional and promotional for us is anything that like takes you off Instagram. Nice. I like that. 30, 30, 30. And then when you say off Instagram, I know this is a struggle that a lot of people have. We've talked a little, a little bit about this on the show before, but, you know, a lot of people are being creative with how to get people off of not just Instagram, but any platform that they're on back to somebody's website. How are you best doing that right now? So that actually has like never been our goal. Our goal has always been to get people engaged in what we're doing on Instagram. And do you feel like as a result of doing that, it kind of just naturally people come back to your page? Right. Yeah. No, I think, I think it does result in more sales for us, but for us, like our goal for Instagram has always been about the customer. It's always been, you know, them. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where like most brands are succeeding is it's not the product. It's the person that's using the product. It's either the end user or for, so that's kind of another approach we do editorially is like, when we post and that's where we came up with personal, like it's not, it's not about the product. It's about Susan, the entrepreneur and like her journey and what is going on with that. And it used to be a lot about like my family life, although we pulled back on that. Um, once we hit a certain number, just because my kids are older, you know, yeah, privacy issues. So it's more about the journey of me as an entrepreneur now. And I think a lot of people relate to that. Um, even they know I have a family, but the family's not always involved. And then, you know, it's not about the product. It's about the person who's using the product. So our customer and I love my customers. <laughs> I will stop someone in the store if they're wearing my moccasins and, and talk to them and find that's out so like, who they are, what are they doing? And so that's kind of always been our focus is like, how do you feel like the mocks are impacting your life or what's like, look how darling this person is who's wearing the mocks. So it's always for us about the customer. Love that. Love that. It's very obvious why you guys are doing very well. Uh, you and your team are doing amazing things. I have one final question for you, if you don't mind. Yeah. So you said you make a list every year of yeah. the things you want to accomplish, and you had successfully gone on Shark Tank previous yeah. year. Uh, what, what's on your list to accomplish in 2015? Be on the Pat Flynn show is on my list. <laughs> That's right. I forgot you mentioned that. Uh, this wasn't a lead up question to that, but I forgot that that was on that. Um, yeah, it was on my list. So, so congratulations, that, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, something that we can totally talk about because this will air after it. But um, on my list this year was also to be on the Ellen Baby Shower show. And that is filming this Friday and we're on that show, which we're super excited about. The Ellen DeGeneres show. Yeah. So every year she does a baby shower, um, around mother's day where she has only pregnant women in her audience and they give like basically everything you need for a baby to the pregnant women. And we wanted to be a part of that show that was on my list this year. Oh, that's so cool. And that we go out 
Thursday to film for that. So I'm super excited about that. Something else that was on my list was our revenue goal for this year. So hopefully we're going to do that. Two stores, one of the stores we're, we're talking with this week and then one store we're talking with next week. So we'll see if those happen. I mean, I also have things like um, personal, you know, things like um, I want to make sure that I'm taking my kids to the bus stop every day and that sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't. And then every year it's to go on vacation with my family in August. And we just booked that a little bit ago. So I'm super excited. Nice. I love it. Business and family just working in perfect harmony together. I love it. Susan, thank you so much for coming on the show and inspiring all of us. I cannot wait to see what's next. I'm going to make sure to link to as many of your things as possible on the show notes. And, uh, you know, we'll have to connect with you again in the future and see where you're at. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Pat. So fun. Thanks so much, Susan. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Susan Peterson, again, from FreshlyPicked.com. Such an incredible, inspiring story. And you can get all the links and resources mentioned from this particular episode at SmartPassiveIncome.com slash session 165. Again, that's SmartPassiveIncome.com slash session 165. Thank you, Susan. I know you're listening to this. You are amazing. And I'd love to hear what the rest of the SPI community thinks about this episode and what Susan has accomplished. Head on over to, again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 165. You can leave a comment there on the blog and I'd love to hear what you think. Also, if you have a store online where you're selling a physical product of your own, feel free to share it in that comment section at the blog, at that URL, uh, and, and leave a link to your store or wherever we can find it. I'm just so interested in what everybody's doing with physical products and retail and uh, you know from your Etsy store to a- anything. If you're selling physical products, leave a comment, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 165. Feel free to, to add pictures. It takes a while for Discus, the commenting platform, to upload those pictures, so just let it be for a sec if you are uploading images, and uh, feel free to put a link in there as well, just one link so you aren't caught in moderation. Also, I wanna take a quick moment just to thank you. I don't know if you realize this, but you've had, you, the listeners, have made a massive impact on the direction of where Smart Passive Income has gone. Uh, As a result of you, I've been interviewing certain guests that you've recommended. As a result of uh, your recommendations, I've been tackling different topics that are are of high interest to you. Uh, In addition to that, I created a brand new podcast called Ask Pat, which you may have heard of before. And on that show, I answer voicemail questions from you as well. You can actually check that out at askpat.com. But that wouldn't happen if it wasn't for you. Obviously, Ask Pat, there needs to be questions in addition to my answers in order to make that show success and and I'm so thankful that uh, it's there and I have you to thank for that. I also have you to thank for pushing me to create some online courses to help you through a number of the the different problems and pains that you might be having with your online business, uh, the the scaling of it, just even the start and the process of it. Um, Even though there's a lot of great free information here via the podcast, I know, and I know this from my own experience as well, courses can be life-changing because you you purchase a course and you are just in that mindset of actually doing that thing that that course tells you to, to do. And I have a number of different courses available to you if that's the kind of thing you need in order to actually finally start getting results and taking action. So I know a number of you have already taken action, which is fine. Like I'm not trying to push these courses on you, but they are there and available for those of you who would much prefer to get that targeted information and the accountability and the handholding through those processes. So if you want to check out and see all the courses that are available to you, all you have to do is go to smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. That's a page that's going to continually grow over time as well. So keep checking back, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. And I look forward to uh, to hopefully seeing you there. I also want to uh, put a little plug in for 
the smart podcast player. I have never done this before, but the smart podcast player is taking up a sponsorship spot here in this particular episode. If you are a podcaster and you're looking to increase and enhance the listener experience that you are giving your audience, go to smartpodcastplayer.com. You can install the web's best looking and number one feature filled web-based podcast player because the truth is a lot of people are actually still listening on the web. A lot of you might be listening on iTunes or through your device right now, but you know what? A lot of the people who listen to your show, if you have a podcast, especially first-time listeners who visit your site from a Google search or what have you, they're listening on your website. And traditionally, players just do a terrible job of taking advantage of that situation of a first-time listener or anybody listening on your website, actually. And that's where the smart podcast player comes into play. Head on over to smartpodcastplayer.com. You can save 33% by getting it at the annual billing price, or you can even try it out for free. There's a freemium version available with some of the features that aren't available on the pro version, but you could even try it out on your website and see how it feels and upgrade later on if you'd like. So again, smartpodcastplayer.com. Thanks so much for listening in. I really appreciate your time, and I can't wait to serve you again in next week's episode where we're gonna be talking about where we're at kind of halfway through the year, the goals and the future of SPI and hopefully helping you think about your goals and where you're at in the year and what you need to do to finish off the second half of the year with a bang. So check it out. That's gonna be next week. In the meantime, keep crushing it online. You guys rock. Appreciate you. I'll see you on Twitter at Pat Flynn or wherever else you may find me. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.